guest here, Devin Kerr. I think I've heard this name before. You know you're into a song when you start singing the lyrics already and you've only just heard it for the first time. I fix up, look, Sean. That's pretty dope. I, okay, from now on, we're just going to ask the guest who they like and I'm going to start playing new stuff. Cause it's up it's to a, me. It's a real vibe, Danny. It's a real vibe. Oh my god, that was really good. <laughs> I I liked everything about that. Usually the vocalists um, uh, kill it for like make it or kill it for me. So like if I don't like the singer, the music could be amazing, and I'm just like, nah, this sucks. Um, like I hate Rush. I hate the band Rush, and I don't care who knows it because whoever their singer is, I can't even be asked to remember his name because I just Literally. don't. What is it? Getty Lee. Oh, wasn't that the, I thought that was like the drummer or something. I don't know. See, again, I care so little about it um, than that I just don't care. But now I'm in a very good mood because I'm going to go to the gym later and that's what's going to be on my playlist. Welcome to the happy hour, friends, family, countrymen. Lend me your ears. My name is Danny Akoski. I work here at Trimark Security along with Dev Badlu, uh, Jake dot 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 horse and Brandon Colley. They are security consultants here at Well, two of them are security consultants. The other one is a lowly, filthy developer, red teamer person. But that's Dev and that's fine. We accept them. Nice background, by the way, Dev. We can actually see some stuff back there now. See my real background. Yeah, well, I, yeah, like, well, I don't believe you. Move something, touch something so I can believe you. Like, move one of the signs so I, I, I know it's real. I had the exact same uh, yeah, thing with him. Back Jake, yeah. your, your mics are screwed up again, I think. I think you're on a Bro, different mic. Out. What? Again. Again. No one, no one cares what Jake has to say. But while while we are uh, while we are uh, fixing our audio issues, that don't, don't worry, we've only done this thirty five times. While we're handling that, I want to introduce. Um, I get especially giddy and excited, like a little girl, when I have some of my favorite people on this show. Like we've had Dave Kennedy on here, we've had Carlos Perez on here. Um, especially people who I've known for in this business, at least of, uh, uh, as long as I've been in this business and people who I can now, even if I haven't talked to them in quite a long time, I can still, I still reference them to other people. Like I, I routinely get the question of like, who do you look up to in, in the, like in this industry and in security as a hacker? Uh, like who did you learn from what names stick in your head from early in your career that have the most profound effect on you? And Devin Kerr, is always one of those names. Uh, Devin is uh, founder of the uh, security the uh, security labs, right? At Elastic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, my my career started a long time ago, actually in a totally different domain. Um, but yeah, right now I've uh, created the security labs function, uh, just as a, I think really as as a extension of what technologists can do for humanity. If you want to think about it abstractly, um, you know, sharing. Uh, knowledge and resources that folks just can't, literally cannot get that unless you got the right education, the right job, the right circumstance, even um, you might not get to learn that thing. That's an experience you wouldn't get. So we try and democratize that a little bit. Yeah. You mentioned you, you had, um, when I met you and I don't even know how long into your career you were at that point. I met you when you were at Mandiant. Um, so I don't even know how many years you were in at that point. Yeah, um, so that was towards, I think that was probably closer towards the end of my um, my Mandiant FireEye career. Um, my career started in the 90s. Um, doing like ISP operations and network engineering. And, um, you know, I was a pre-BSD neckbeard sort of 
admin when I was a junior guy. Uh, and that's how I found my first compromise. Uh, that's why I call it my Dorothy and Oz moment, because there I was one day looking through the logs, which everybody's done. Uh, and I just saw some directional net flow. I can like still remember it. You know, this was, you know, 97, like some directional network metadata that should not have been there and just hold that thread. And I think that's when I think about investigators, that's what I think of is like that person who they're going to skim over it and then stop. Right. And then go right back to pull, to unravel the sweater. And that's, and that's been my whole career is just pulling threads, you know? Yeah. I remember that was, that was when I knew that I really loved doing this stuff. Like my first couple of gigs, I didn't know what I was looking at. Like you could show me like a, like a, a, a like a, a, a Nmap output. Right. And I could like, Oh, look at all the pretty numbers and the ports and stuff. I don't know what this means. And then the more that I got into it, which like, I think I really hit, my beginning of the stride of understanding working for Mandy at my first time, because it was twice that I did that, and working with David Bianco on his team and writing, like learning how to write detections and things like that, and then going through like those logs and 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 uh, and and those outputs and be like, oh, that, that, what was that thing? Oh, uh, that does that's not supposed to be there. And then, but even if it was something like, oh, it ends up being benign or whatever. And you keep you want that itch like once you get at least for me that little taste of seeing like the WTF of things you want to you want to find it right like you like that's that's the most interesting stuff to me that's how I knew I was going to be a lifelong analyst no matter what I was doing. Well, and I think that's also the trait right you know it's not necessarily that you can be taught the mindset but intuitively you know we've evolved with a certain set of maybe call them like primitive skills that every human being is born kind of aware of, um, you know, those are tools that anybody can learn to use a little bit better. Um, I don't, I, I, I tend to think like um, what we know is like occult knowledge. Um, and what I mean is like secret knowledge that people have like a lot of ideas and maybe misconceptions about. Um, but when I hire people, one of the things we try and like be into the new classes is always, you know, we're not special anybody can learn to do this. Like there's a person out there who's never had the opportunity to learn what you did. Maybe that's all the difference in the world. Um, but from a technical perspective, you know, if you've got those basics, you can go anywhere with it. You know, you could apply it to vulnerability research. You could do intelligence analysis. You could be a malware researcher, like, you know, and the use case plugs in anywhere, you know, you know, companies like I work for that are developing security solutions, but also people who are, using them you know yeah that was um yeah like going into life skills and one of the big reasons that we asked Devin to come on was uh our boss our founder our, our, our CTO Sean Metcalf uh was like hey you know I, I was talking to another buddy of mine like it was a really great conversation and you should really have him on I was like oh uh, who's that it was oh, Devin Kerr was like, of course it was Devin of course it was Devin was the person he was talking to um and uh and I I Sean and I have had conversations like that too where it's now your brain at a certain point just switches over to using it as life skills, right? Like something seems 
screwy with a thing, right? Like I just today had somebody over the house to go fix something and he couldn't quite figure it out. And then I was again, analyzing things in my head. So I, I it's, it's things that, that I really get into. One of my favorite stories real quick, before we get into anything. And the reason why I sing so many praises about Devin is I always like to, if I have a personal story about them, I really like to tell it that really affected me. Uh, it was my first, I was thinking it was my, yeah, it was definitely my first time at Mandiant. And uh, I was very new. Um, and, uh, and again, the story to illustrate why I value the people that I do is I was very new and it was getting towards like a, like a sunset type thing for a new person, like last in first out kind of thing. And I could kind of see it coming and, you know, for those first things, I'm not going to give you the whole story, but like, I was like, I didn't know who I could talk to yet. I didn't know anybody and Mandy for not for nothing, even then is, is a very elite club to be in. There's a lot of very smart people and have done a lot of really huge things. And I didn't know who like a friend was or whatever. And Devin just was always a friendly person, was always just that person who anybody, like I could step, people would recommend to go talk to. And you sat with me. I don't even know if you remember this or not, but I was like, hey, Devin, like, I, you know, I kind of see some writing on the walls. We've had a lot of conversations about the industry and layoffs and things like that. And I was like, I don't know a lot, but I see this writing on the walls. Like, you know, can I ask you a question? And I, he stopped whatever he was doing. He was like, let's go downstairs. And we took the elevator down and we sat in the lobby of the building. And he talked to me for 20, 30 minutes just about how things were and what options were and what things that I could. And he had no busy, he had no reason to have to do that. He had no reason to take some new kid. Uh, I mean, I was still in my thirties at that point, but like some new kid, quote unquote, and give that kind of advice and sit down with him and take that time and hang out. Um, and that's, that's one of those so many so many moments and bits you forget and your head is like a sieve and things come and go but those little things like stick and it's and it's that conversation that has got me through a lot of the other stuff so I want to be sure I told that story uh, to illustrate why we have uh, Devin on but it's, it really kind of blends into the whole community engagement thing which is why it's no surprise to me that Devin is one of the people that really uh, does a lot and knows a lot and talks a lot about that community engagement so when when somebody says the words community engagement to you, Devin, when it, it applies to this industry, like what what comes to your mind? Like like what do you immediately think of? Mm, well, I mean, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, when people talk about it, they don't talk about it specifically, and so I'll talk about it really specifically. Um, when I think about the community, um, I think about like my relationship to a broader group of folks, and it's it's actually kind of thinking about it in terms of obligation, right? You know, I know that I learned a lot from others to get where I am, and it's because they uh, they exhibited trust. Uh, bi-directional trust, you've got to build, but to trust that something in the future is going to work out because you shared what you knew, that there was a time when that was a really novel idea. Um, it made a very strong impression on me. And, you know, I kind of cut my teeth under folks whose careers I think have really well reflected this. Um, you know, Christopher Glyer, he was one of the people who, you know, kind of, you know, gave me my introduction to incident response, you know, sort of this is what the trench looks like. This is how you comport yourself in a trench. This is what you need to think about when you're in the trench, because there are other people who don't know they're in the trench with you. They are ignorant of their circumstances. You have to be an ambassador. 
You have to be able to communicate with them in a way that doesn't terrify them because you need them to stay in the trench. You're still fighting. Like, you know, this is an analogy that we could probably like run roughshod over two ways. But, you know, I think it's important to think about it in terms of, you know, who got you where you're going to be and who is looking out for the next generation and who's looking out for the generation after them. And because eventually, you know, it's, it's and this is true of a lot of industries, we might all age out, we might all retire. But this problem is not solved. And so making sure that we've got good custodians and stewards, not just of these technologies, but also these ideals, I think is really important. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that I wonder about because I see like this, the progression of certain fields are dying. Like it's like this, it, there was this big growth bubble and then it kind of smoothed out a little bit and it kind of is declining in my opinion. And I wonder how much is that is because we put so much pressure and so much emphasis on Oh, you got to go to college. You have to get this degree. You have to do all these other things where we could just do tradecraft, like a workshop or a certification and get people there faster and then get them the experience, get them the knowledge they need. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I, mean, unpopular, I worry about this field. Unpopular, but you know, when I cut my teeth, there were not college degrees that you could get. There were not, exactly. you know, high school programs that you could take that to learn more than basically like just using a typewriter. Even I was, I was of the electric typewriter generation. So like, and that's a very different mindset than somebody who maybe 10 years ago graduated high school because they graduated with the internet integrated in their course of study. And the technology is part of how they learn and how they use education. You know, for some of us, that was not true. Um, you know, and part of it is, I think is also like, we had to be curious to figure it out. And now there's just so much of a body of knowledge, just such a corpus of detailed knowledge that maybe it's easy to also take it for granted. I, I struggle with it still where it's like my, you know, my list of articles that I want to go back and read and people's published research that I want to follow up on. That sometimes does get to be a pretty healthy stack. Um, I imagine for other, you know, other generations, maybe folks who are, you know, just graduating now, um, they might not even consider that worthy of retention. They might just come in and, and then go. Um, so there could be a couple of things happening industry-wide. Well, one thing when I was doing, when I was, because um, I was overseeing the development team and other teams, is that I didn't really hire based off the way you went to school. I, lack of better, for lack of better, I could care less what college you came from and what degree you had. What I care about is who you were as an individual and how well you could fit in with everyone else. Because you know what? At the, we could teach you anything we need to teach you. I could teach you how to program. I could any one of my team could teach you how to program at that time. We could teach you how to be like a good programmer, how to debug, how to do all the stuff you need to do. But you know what we can't teach you? How to be a good person. We can't teach you how to have good worth ethics. Like we couldn't well, teach I mean, you. To me, things. that's also cultural, right? And so part of it is, you know, understanding, um, you know, you can hire culture and finding somebody who fits in those other ways, those non-informed, non-technical ways is really, really important for us. That's one of the most important hiring considerations is not, are you technical enough, but do you fit? Do you yeah. work with the other pieces we've got? Or are you more like, um, you know, a chemist would call it like a volatile component? Are you a volatile component for this team? Which doesn't mean that that person is like a bad hire. It just means that you've got to think about it in terms of all of the other chemicals in the team yep, that you've got to counter. Um, and, and that's really hard. 
you know, we always hire for culture first. That way we don't fall in love with somebody who's like incredibly technical, but is a terrible fit for like the molecular composition of the team. Um, we do that first. And that's our first wave of elimination just because, you know, we want to make sure that we're saving the interview process for folks who not only do they fit with the team and, and have like maybe good reactions, um, but also, you know, can do those technical things that we need done. Yeah, because I mean, a good team is not just one individual, right? We're not looking for the Michael Jordan of the team. We're looking for everyone who could basically bounce off each other, ideals, grow as a team, you know, and then work together, especially when the shit hit the fan and you know, you have to fix what's coming up. Like, oh, we just released this bug or, oh, the database just went out, you know, whatever. Like, those are the moments you could really uh, measure a team. Not when everything is nice and easy and you know, everything's going your way. You measure the team as its lowest point, and that's how you know if you have a strong and solid team. The moment people start going, wasn't my, that's not my responsibility. That's not my problem. That's when you go, well, you're not also working here for long <laughs> because we don't need those type of people. We need people who are going to say, crap, this is happening. How do we fix this? And I don't know. There's, there's some good stuff going on in chat right now too about, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> sorry, shoot. Um, username not used and Siviak. 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 How dare you mispronounce his name? That is Siviak. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to be a bro. Um, so no, they're talking also about like we're talking about community engagement and also like being a good leader is kind of what I would call some of that in a certain way. But a good question or a good comment rather was brought up was the kind of people who ask questions. Right when you're a new person in the field. Uh, you kind of have to pull that out of some people as well, right? And so I think it's important not to be afraid to ask those questions because that's like the good kind of counter to a really good, like teacher is a good curiosity too. Yeah. And that's both of those kind of help breed each other. I have a question, which is if you're hiring for for cultural fit first, how do you avoid not bringing in diverse voices like because it seems to me if you're hiring for cultural fit that may exclude some people that are not in that culture you know what i mean yeah i mean i think for us um you know we understand that to pre protect the world's data from attack which broadly speaking is like the elastic security slogan we understand that to do it we actually have to resemble the world and there's something really profound there about understanding that what a risk, uh, you know, perception of risk looks like in my culture is different than somebody else's. If I don't understand that because I don't ask the question and I don't exhibit maybe natural curiosity, I never have the opportunity to take that into consideration. So for us, we, we kind of look at it in terms of not, hey, do you look like us? Do we have, um, you know, do we have things that appear consistent, which is really relatively superficial? It's like, do we have the capacity to achieve these things with any collection of team members? Um, you know, we've got team members who are incredibly talented malware researchers. We have, you know, folks who are incredibly talented software engineers, but how they like to spend their time and the skills they're capable of wielding can be really different. We need both sets of skills in the team for the team to succeed. Um, and that's one of the ways that we also safeguard against stuff like, you know, we hire only folks who fit this mold, who resemble, you know, this bulleted list, 
you know, that's, that's not sustainable in teams that do that. They become really easily knocked out. They become brittle for reasons that are hard to predict. When, so you've been around for, for a really long time, Devin, and have not aged today. If anything else, you're aging backwards, but I'll get jealous about that later. Um, what, what I think you, that was a compliment. <laughs> Charmer. So do you see, so, you, so, so 96 to now, what, what is that? 20, some, yeah, it's 20, 30 years, almost, almost dead, pushing 30 years. Are things better? Are they worse? Are they perpetually the same? Oh, um, you know, oh, this, that's, that's a great question. I like, I like this question because I tend to think about my answer to it as like a preemptive strike. Um, when people have asked me, you know, what's the point of some of the stuff that you do? I, I like to bring up the fact that I remember the dawn of the industry. I remember what used to be. Um, I have the, the benefit of remembering what was and kind of appreciating what is. So I, I think a little bit about it like this. Isn't it wild that we continue to solve the security problems with the same general approaches, um, the same general monetization heavy strategies, the same heavy equity investment strategies. And in spite of having the best technology we've arguably ever had, the most public awareness of these threats, the best information distribution and sharing capabilities in the world, we still have not really meaningfully stopped the spread of this phenomenon. And I think it is because we perceive it in a way that is inflexible. And there is a business which, you know, call it an unpopular opinion, really monetizes treatment over cures. And so those factors, I think, put us where we are. What do you, you say that about a lot of industries? Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I just think it's just human factor. Like anytime it's like chaos theory, like whatever can go wrong will go wrong. I mean, it's just a matter of time. I I don't know. I think we had that. Did we have a conversation earlier, guys, about this? And it was kind of similar. Chaos theory and IT. Sure. Uh, probably. Yeah. Um, what do you think has to change? Previous ones, right? <laughs> what do you what do you? What, it's sorry. I'm, I, I'm I think all of our episodes are are are, are chaos theory. Um, they are. It's literally the layout of the show is chaos theory. What so do you Dev, think? Are you trying to basically say that like attackers are leveling leveling up and defenders are leveling up and like there's just going to be this? So is that what you mean by chaos? Is there's always going to be new ways to break things and then there's like maybe I think it's kind of like things. There's going to be. I think it's more like what we're doing is so fast and so. Like it's quickly evolving and changing so fast and so rapidly that the time it takes to really pay attention and slow down to understand the full extent of what we're doing is you never have that moment. So you can't understand the gravity of what's happening and understand all the security holes, all the areas where penetration can like um, the security holes, all the areas of issues or problems that can arise from it um, so, because you don't have that. There's going to be people who spend that time to then focus and harness and hone in on those areas. It's just a matter of, of you know, time. It's like when you f build the first building, like you, you, you're you going to build a building to some standard, but it's not going to be as perfect as, if you take, as you build it 10 years from now. Having that time to mature and grow and harness and um, hone in your skills. I, I just think our, our industry is changing so fast, no one really gets to hone in on their skills. Because by the time you learn, I'm great at C-sharp, everyone's using Go. Okay, let me learn Go now. 
everyone's using this. Is this is this constantly evolving? Frameworks are constantly changing. Our compilers are constantly trying to adapt and make things easier to make it kind of um, um, low, um, high level language systems, so that way they can be more widely available to developers. It's just so much happening all the time that I don't think with the speed we're going, there's there's no way to stop the constant errors, constant issues that's going to progress from it. To give that a good to, to give a good example of why I, I don't think we've progressed as much, uh, even myself who is been doing this not nearly as much as most of the people on the show, uh, especially not Devin. Um, I was just silently freaking out that uh, something was wrong with my broadcasting software. Nothing was clicking, nothing was doing it. And I realized that I had just, I was pressing one mouse button. Uh, I was pressing my right one as I was trying to click with my left one and nothing was working. And then I realized that and said, I shouldn't be in this business anymore. I was like, it's not working. Everything's gonna stop streaming. I can't click on anything. And like, I, I'm trying to like left click on everything. And I realized I had just a little bit of pressure on my other mouse button. Um, so when you have those kinds of problems, it's no wonder we are where we are because we have people like me doing this shit. I mean, I guess. <laughs> my, my thing is, if you ever look at a compiler and look at your code after it goes through compiling, you can have the cleanest code. Once it goes through compiler, the interpretation of that code is gonna be flawed to some degree because it's, in, it's inferring what you thought it meant to do. My firmware is permanently and fried. Um, that's that's where security holes starts bubbling from. So, Devin, are, are 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 you encouraged by anything in this industry? Like, have we have we made yeah. any strides? Because I don't want to be the the, the the perpetual curmudgeon that that just you know bemoans the fact that I'll always have a job. Um, what encourages you? I mean, I'm I, I think I'm generally really optimistic about where we are and where we've gotten to. Um, you know, again, I think you could look at the the end result and say, hey, we haven't solved security. And you could be very discouraged by that. Um, but on the other hand, all of those other advances have still happened. And that's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, the, the intra-process introspection that now people can get like for free, not with an enterprise license, not essentially with a Ferrari level investment, but just available to, to for them to have visibility. That is that is completely different than when my security journey began. And I, I'll say 2010 is when it really became official because that's when I claimed it as part of my like career history. It's my job title reflected it. Um, but even so, you know, over 13, 14 years, tremendous progress. Um, not to mention, I think, too, you know, we're starting to see the calculus shift a little bit because where um, previously, like states used to say, oh, hey, I'm hands off. I cannot be responsible for this. Um, it's just the way it is. Get used to it. Well, you know, they've changed their tune. Now we've started to realize that some of these security risks that were abstract and nonspecific, they actually are specific. And I think what we're seeing is the implications both from like, um, you know, just public safety, um, national security, food safety, um, you know, energy security. These are very important concepts. And now I think we're seeing a little bit of enforcement, um, you know, but I think everything happens like um, a push and a pull. It's like how, you know, waves, you know, recede and eventually they come back as tides. Like we see the water never leave the ocean. We're still there. Um, you know, what we need, I think, to focus on is like actually changing the landscape. That is how this happens. Um, you know, a lot of times we think about what we do is like interrupting 
disturbing, interfering with these like groups, these capabilities. Um, but they don't all just steal money. They don't all just like steal email and spam people. Like sometimes these are groups that put people in mass graves. Like, so when you think about it in terms of haves and haves, have nots, that's a really important ideal. Um, you know, there are people who are targeted perpetually. In fact, there are threat groups that target everybody. But the tools to deal with that is actually only available to a very small subset. Um, I think it's starting to change. I think I'm very optimistic about that gravity, that like pivot. Um, I just wish it was faster. I'm impatient like everybody here. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say even to yourself, you know, if you said you're around 2010, 2012 is when you really started considering it part of like who you are and, and your career. If you could go back to 2012, Devin, or even 2010, Devin, and be like, you're gonna hear something I wish I you would have known from future Devin. Um, or were you just your browser absolutely history. perfect? You know, maybe <laughs> I would be less dismissive of things now than I I was then. You know, when you know when I was a consultant, I you know maybe I felt a little bit more like a cowboy, felt a little bit more like out on the frontier in a place where I have direct agency to affect outcomes. When maybe that was true on a very small scale. I don't think I appreciated what impact really was. And every now and then I see, you know, I see a peer in the industry do something like truly impactful that nobody notices that maybe is quite subtle. Um, but the net result is that those are folks who are thinking about improving everyone's security and like in a very equal and balanced way. Um, that's a thing that's like really hard. It's a thing that I aspire to achieve. Uh, but I think if we can pursue more of those types of outcomes, if we can think a little bit, maybe altruistically, selflessly, um, I think the industry has tremendous potential to, to solve this a little bit further and maybe not completely. Um, but in that escalation, that like back and forth spy versus spy, wouldn't it be cool if we finally felt like we were on top? <laughs> Or as Jake just, uh, or the other, you know what? I'm not even gonna dignify Jake's thing with the response. How, have you done any work in in, uh, in in chat? They had said, I'm gonna keep this on topic and interesting and not just about my perpetual beefs with Jake. Uh, it said, kids, holy crap, talk to some kids in cyber programs and you'll sleep better at night. It's awesome to see young kids so excited in the field and what they do. Have you, have you been a part of any like initiatives that had to do with kids? Cyber Patriot is one of my favorite programs. Um, you know, it starts in middle school and uh, I live in the DC area. There are a number of really great Cyber Patriot programs at different schools. Um, it's an it's an awesome way to help, I think, plant the seed uh, that somebody's gonna kind of like cultivate into interest in this industry. Um, and they, they re I mean, you'll, you'll be very shocked, but you know, these are very young people who are very mature they're very hungry to learn. Um, and just like a young person can learn anything else, um, this is knowledge that they, they can apply. Um, it might seem like it takes a lot of, again, specialized skill or experience, but I don't think it does. Um, and for folks who've worked, worked at like the collegiate level, like, you know, National CCDC, another great program, again, older kids, you know, again, folks who are maybe closer to entering industry, um, but again, a great place to engage in knowledge transfer, you know, share stuff that, you know, and, um, you know, cultivate that in a group that is going to, you know, pass it on to other folks. Um, so you're not just educating some students, you're actually allowing them to educate their peers in places where maybe you don't even have access.
Yeah, I, uh, I I always get. Um, I was considering. I wanted my son to come with me to uh, to uh, uh, Vegas this year. He's eight years old, and the first thing that I get from literally, like, oh Vegas, he's only eight. Is he even going to understand any of that? And I and I say, are you kidding me? The best lesson to have, it's an expensive one because you're stuck with them for quite a few years, uh, is having a kid and watching them, mine especially, uh, just soak things up and take on so many things so quickly. Like, just as an example, I had like I had gotten one of those uh, Oculus uh, Quest thing to VR rigs because mm. I, I was going to use it for the uh, DEF CON group's uh, virtual meetup. Never got a chance to because I was gooning DEF. Um, but I had the rig and I bought one? it. Shut up. I, it's the first time I mentioned <laughs> it today. Um, and I just, but it, you know, it's a $500 rig just sitting around. And one day, about six months ago, he picks it up. He goes, hey, what's this thing? And I said, oh, daddy, will teach you how. He goes, I'll figure it out. And I think he asked me one or two questions, like where the power button was. And before I know it, he's like, he's like asking me to download games, doing, and within a week, he's leading parties of raiding things in this Monkey Quest game. And now he's holding court, and he has friends, and 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 running these things. And then he's on my computer. He just asked about a command prompt for the first time the other day. He was like, "Hey, what's that command prompt thing ACU use?" I was like, "Come here, child. Uh, mm-hmm. Let let me tell you. I'm 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 keeping him away from PowerShell. That way lies madness." But it's so I I don't want I, I hate when people are like oh they're too young no absolutely not and to get them that excited uh there's a wonderful young woman uh be a Scilab I don't know if you've run into run across on her on Twitter um very deeply involved with uh uh, uh girls who hack uh and she's been up on the hill and all these things she's part of my local DefCon group and I've seen her come from you know seven eight years old to she's almost sixteen now. And it's been amazing. So, like, I, I, my first thing is like, when I ever, whenever anybody says, "Oh, they're too young," absolutely not. And that's what that does give. That feels me like you said, "Who's the next?" Right? Who's but, coming next? But Danny, that comes with a caveat too, don't it? Because like, I have four kids. Unfortunately, um, that's and, your fault, not mine. But like, I want them to be them, right? I want them to grow up in the way they want to grow up. No, let me take that. Hold on, let me explain that a little bit. I want them to. Just decide their path. When sure. Now, if, so that's the caveat is I would love for them to all come into cybersecurity or into programming or into something where I can show them. But And I'll put the olive branch up for them. But if they choose not to go down that path, of course. then it is what it is. Oh, I'm, and so. I'm not tying them to my chair and saying, here's Arch, good well, luck. There's a lot of parents who unfortunately do do that. Nah, and I'd... they're like, well... We're five generations of whatever, and you're going to be no. the sixth generation going down this. I, I, yeah, okay. I'd almost rather him saying, "Hey, Dad, I'm going to go live in the woods, and I don't want anything to do with this." Uh, well, I worked in cybersecurity. We have the money for that. Here's your tent. Go away. I know. I'm just want to show that cabin. Like, if you if you if you want to bring your kids into it, that's great. Just make sure they really want to be in there, because the worst thing it is is to teach someone who don't want to learn this. It's uh, it's more socially acceptable for like. A, a farmer to graze a farmer child who raises a third and fourth and fifth, right? So it's a little bit different than there's the stigma that's still unfortunately associated with your dad's a hacker. You're not going to be a hacker like your dad, right? Like, I think that's a little bit of what people are saying. Like, how dare you bring your kid to a security conference? Like, no one ever would say, how dare you bring your kid to an agricultural conference, right? Like, I would. <laughs> that's boring as hell. That sounds well, boring. That's even you saying it. 
speaking of like hand holding toddlers, let's let's talk a little bit about executives. Um, what are some of the most? <laughs> what are some of the, I tried to get through that segue without laughing. Um, David, when it comes to not everybody, especially now, right? Like we like the economy is kind of doing whatever the hell it's doing, and people following the leader and all these things, and budgets are shrinking. Uh, it's Q four; they're opening up a little bit. Um, what do you have? Like, what are some of the most important things that those kind of like organizations, especially with limited budgets, can do to improve their own security? The ones that can't afford the Mandians, can't afford the CrowdStrikes, can't afford, you know, <laughs> Splunk. Um, you know, I, I tend to think about it like, um, you know, preparing for an expedition, right? You've got stuff that you do that's very easy and small. Like you've got to make sure you've got, you know, boots, you've got to have a tent, you've got to have rope, you, you know, et cetera. Um, but you, you typically gather your provisions in waves. And I think that something like that could really apply for folks who are just starting their cybersecurity journey. They know they've got a lot to do. Well, it starts with eyes. Like what can you literally see? You can't see anything like there are free ways to solve that problem get eyes you know that's not even like data retention that's just what can you see right now what can you see over the last 24 hours full stop you know and then you work from visibility to capability you know i can see stuff what can i do about it like what agency do i have to affect outcomes what are those tools how am i using them do my people know how to use them and you can cover a lot of ground with this and you can do, I mean, you can achieve really, you know, powerful results depending on how aggressively your organization is targeted. But from there, it's, it's then like sustainability. It's like, what is your program? How are you hiring? What is the functional strata of these orgs? Like, how are you doing budgeting? You know, the bigger pieces. But unfortunately what happens is I think a lot of orgs, they start at the top of the pyramid where they have the least information. Like, well, okay, let's come up with a budget. Let's come up with a dollar amount. Let's not do anything until we have that number, which is fictional. It's not even real to them. You know, it's just a number written down that they kind of have proposed, projected, imagined. Um, you know, when you're planning, you're not doing. So I would say like, just start doing, get eyes, deploy stuff. There's free stuff to do that. Solve that problem first. You know, you'll be remarkable, you know, surprised by like, you know, your approach to things, I think, once you can actually see these problems. So, and then from there, you can figure out like, what problems do we even have? You know, instead of investing in the solution first and like pursuing that, just start with like, what even are your problems? Like maybe the way that you're targeted and the way that you're seeing threat activity in your enterprise actually doesn't impact your risk as a business. Cool. Like you yeah. have more options than 99% of your peers, you know, but that's a great place to be. You just never know if you have the upper hand, if you never ask. And some of these folks, they're just like, let's go right to the back of the napkin, pick a number and, you know, work backwards. Like I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Another thing I like to tell people too, is like, understand who your attackers are. Know your attack. Like if you're a small startup company and you're doing a very unique niche thing, I don't think China's coming after you. I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. Um, so, like, take the time to actually take a couple, like, really think about it. Who is your attackers? Who's coming for you? And plan for that. As well as look inside your own internal company. Maybe there's people who want to grow into security positions. Maybe you could teach them, train them. And not only is that going to get you to a secure, more secure environment cheaply, I mean, cheaper, but it's also going to boost their morale. They're going to be like, oh, I'm now finally getting into this role. 
And don't be scared if they leave you in two, three years and go someplace else. You know, um, foster that. Foster them for them to learn, to them to be comfortable and gain the knowledge. And if they leave, they leave and you just recycle, do the same thing over again. Um, as a manager, I'll, I didn't, this is going to sound awful, but as a manager, I loved when my people moved on to better things, you know, because then I know they're growing the career path. They're taking the next step and they're maturing. It's not about, oh, what they could do for me right now. It's more about, you know, how can we build a team that is growing, constantly learning and doing the best. And sometimes people move on and you just got to be okay with it. The worst and, part about that whole thing was just imagining you as a manager. Actually, I was actually a pretty good manager. Being responsible for other people. I think they were just as happy to see Dev leave as he was to see them leave. God, is he gone finally? Wow. So on the subject, so on the subject of departures, like I, I'll admit that I am like of two minds of this, and and part of it, it's like the human component, which is like mm. you've got people who you get close with, and you are invested in them, and just because they're leaving, like that doesn't have to change, but sometimes you feel like your investment is going somewhere else and like, you know, you can still root for them. It's just, it's a different perspective that I don't think a lot of people necessarily train themselves, you know, to approach. Um, that person is going to be able to go on and achieve stuff that, that maybe was not in your, yeah. in your lane. You did not, those were not on your dream board. You were not thinking about those objectives. You didn't particularly value those outcomes. Um, but the worst thing I think is to trap a person in that role that they don't love, that they're not feeling fulfilled because that impacts a lot of stuff. When you don't love your job, the quality of your work, whether you intended to or not, is not the same. And sometimes what we do, that really matters. Like you round a corner because, you know, today's a bad day and you're not really feeling a connection to the work. You know, the impact can actually be pretty dire, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I mean, that yeah, you definitely never want to just hold on to someone for holding on sake. Uh, but the other thing is when they move on, you got to do it in a way where you're fostering them and you're helping them move on. Because with that sense, the message I sends to everyone else and staying is that we're okay. You know, it's not a taboo like, oh, he's a traitor. I'm going to treat him like a traitor kind of thing. That And if I was to leave, that's going to happen to me. Is no, well, let me be okay with it. They're going to move on and other people are going to move up in rank. And you know we're just going to grow as a team. This one, this one hits me hits me close because I, I definitely have worked for places where that was the convention. Where like when you resigned, mm. even though you were not dying, people treated you like you were dead because they knew, you know, hey, I'm going to be on a different work schedule. Maybe you work for a competitor, and so I'm not supposed to say stuff. And you know, the thing is, like professional friendships are really hard for yeah. a lot of folks in the industry to cultivate. And that's a great culture to make sure that you're you're never building social networks, you're never letting these industry relationships blossom into partnerships and friendships. Um, I think that's just really sad. We you know, we we've never been prejudicial when somebody leaves the team. We're always very su supportive. Um, you know, we always talk about it. And I think normalizing, you know, maybe not normalizing departure, but making sure that people know that when they are ready. You know, to graduate, to move on, uh, their colleagues are not going to resent them. They're not going to like feel very critical about their success. You want to champion their success. Yeah, that leads. Okay. And you know, you, you said what you said just now was very interesting to me because I, I, my thing is forming really like I to a point where I've had to temper my relationship 
uh, 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 being fond of people because I know what the inevitability will be. And having like, you know, a manager or something who I've been with for a long time and it's just, hey, naturally time for me to move on. I got to go do other things. And then the cut happens and then you never talk to that person again. And I never really thought of it from their point of view I mean, we're all human. We all have the same, you know, emotions and things like that. And like thinking like just because it was a happy occasion for me to go and do other things and it was nothing, you know, negative in their column, they might have felt a certain way. And I don't think I thought enough about that uh, where then I would have ill feelings because like, you know, I'm not getting a, you know, a call returned or I'm like, hey, man, what happened? Like, well, they invested a lot in you. And while they're probably professionally and personally happy for you, uh, I don't think I ever considered that part before you said that so even i'm capable of learning learning and growing on this show um uh what else was uh, but, uh, so i was jake, gonna say been... just one one more thing on that before oh, yeah, go ahead, i'm Brandon. gonna step over jake um because we started talking about this a little bit and building community and one of the things is that like creating that next generation and like expanding exponentially right you're building your own um structure so i mean you teach two people they teach two people you've now basically created this you know child grandchild type tree and so how cool is it when a coworker that you mentored leaves the organization and then goes on to do something amazing and then you can you can feel that joy with that person and so i think that's what's really strong and i feel like this industry does a good job in the right in the right light of that um there's definitely people the people who do and the people that that don't yeah but uh, there's a double-edged sword in this industry you're gonna get the the people who support you and the people who try to tear you down as quick as possible that's true that's when you find the people that you gravitate to jake you know? jake tie-dye warrior you've you've been very quiet all hour you got anything i'm just sitting and listening you just you're just here for eye candy that is a beautiful sweater by the way Thank you very much. I am Knuff. Do you do you know? Do you actually know what color it is? Can't hear you, Jake. Oh, stop it, Dev. You don't do this anymore. No, because no, no, no. That's the one joke we don't make on the show because that involves me having to do audio things and I freak out. So no jokes that make Danny freak out operationally. Thank you very much. Jake is actually colorblind. Jake, do you know what color that sweater is? Yes, it's several. Oh, yeah. We just we had a conversation earlier before you came back on. He's not wrong. Well, what a catch-all answer. time about talking about my colorblind today. Like, yeah. what, I don't know what's going on. Well, because I didn't yeah, the know. Dog, and it's the dog wants your hugs, too, whoever username not used is. It's, Devin, we're... Yeah, we're Vita wants your hugs. All right. I'm sorry I went to you. Devin, uh, we, <laughs> we've... Uh, we, <laughs> I, I, I did spend a little time trying to explain to Devin what the show was like, but you really got to be here to, to experience it. Um, yeah. So... I, one of the things we're, we're getting close to, to our kind of end here, uh, by the way, thank you so much for coming on. Like I, I just love seeing your face and, uh, you get better looking with, with every passing decade. Um, not creepy at all. What do you do? Hey, listen, Devin was here. I knew Devin far before you, so you can just sit there. Um, that's just jealousy coming out of Dev's mouth. Is all. Oh, no, that's not what that is. He's jealous. He'll never be as he'll, he'll never. And, and Devin and I don't normally talk. Like we don't talk, like we'll say hi on LinkedIn once in a while. just kind of catch up and be like, Hey man, how are you? And I still feel closer to him than you. And I've worked with you well, I'm an acquired taste, and anybody who knows me very closely, they understand this. Uh, (laughs) Well, you're a taste that I have. It's it's look, it's problematic. Um, I'm not very social. Uh, I've never really been particularly social, so that's an area that um, I can I can you know fake it really well. But (laughs) not everybody is though. Not necessarily the most authentic version of me. No, not everybody is though. Um, But what I want to know 
is what do you do? I, and I, this is just a personal question that I, I like asking people, like, what do you do to, to wind down? Right. Cause like, you got a lot going on, you, especially when you were a consultant, like you're handling pretty yeah. heavy things. You are what I would call one of the greater minds of our industry. So what do you do when you want to shut off? Like, what do you do just to hang out and relax? Uh, I, you know, I need a lot of stuff I find. And maybe this is true of a lot of people in our industry. I find that like my tolerance for any single activity does not really, it doesn't really scratch the itch. So it's kind of a lot of things. Um, you know, we were talking in chat about Baldur's Gate. So I've, you know, Dungeons and Dragons since middle school, um, at this point, like multi-generational campaigns for 30 ish years of my life. Um, I'm actually doing two of them concurrently right now, and you've caught me in between weekly sessions. So we'll see how my coworkers deal with the problems that they'll encounter on Sunday. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a seasonal hunter. I grew up in a farming community, and I spent really? a lot of time there. Um, I had no idea. Yep. Oh yeah, I grew up I grew up around dairy. In fact, I got into technology sort of on accident. Um, dairy farms um, used to use heat to pasteurize milk. Um, but in the nineties where I grew up, it was much more common to use flash pasteurization using ultraviolet. Um, and so I was maintaining the computers that did that, you know, irradiation in barns and, you know, milk houses and like places like that. Um, that's where I kind of refined the skill set. Um, so I've always been kind of a farmish person, an outdoorsy kind of person. Um, I hide it a lot better now that I'm an adult, but <laughs> no, I, 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 I never saw that, but you know what you do, you do, you have the build of somebody that could throw a, like throw a hay bale. It's not the, it's not as great as it was when I was 25. I'm going to be honest. You know? <laughs> what, what did a I smaller hay bale. Look at his shoulder. <laughs> He's got very broad shoulders. I, I, I think he could chuck at least a medium sized hay bale. No, I grew up in Lancaster County. So I grew up, so that's interesting to me. Like. We, I had, uh, my parents used to have dinner at an Amish farm. They made homemade Amish pizza, which was very kind of them, but I, I don't think I'll ever do it again. Amish pizza. Very, very the lights I, on? I had other careers before this. Um, you know, I was a, a trade mason, so I used to work with stone and did foundation work. And I did post and beam construction. And, and I you know, worked on a lot of barns made between like 1880 and 1920. And you know, did a lot of restoration. Um, I still like to do those things. It's just I don't have a barn, so it's much harder to scratch that specific itch if you catch my drift. I have a barn. Dude, I bought that. So the house we bought about five years ago is 200 years old. It's own farmhouse. And I have a barn that is actually as big, if not bigger, than my house. You ever need a barn to scratch that itch, you come up to Pennsylvania. All right. I can bring some tools. I know what I'm doing. And, and they're all like, it's like a, it's like the big like um, hand-hewn beams and all this stuff. Yeah, I got to come up and hang out in my barn. We do a thing every year called BarnCon, as a matter of fact. Where I have friends up, I, I built a uh, movie screen in the barn with a w with a projector, and we watch movies and hang out and grill outside every year. This has got to be the shiftiest way that Danny has ever gotten free labor. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. He's like, the industry has not been that good to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, Devon, Devon, before you go, make sure someone knows you're going by Danny. And oh, where every is. there are witnesses. <laughs> Multiple That's people right. are here. Um, so at the end of every show, Devin, we like to close it out with, uh, you know, asking people how their week was, if they have any wins or if they just have, if they're, even if their week was shitty, what's the least shittiest thing about it? Uh, so I'm going to, 
Uh, you can think about yours for a minute. We'll go around to these other three, these other three monkeys, and we'll do a little wins of the week thingy that Jake makes me do, and then I've come around to, but I don't like to admit it. Uh, and let's get Dev out of the way. Dev, what you have anything good happen this week? I don't know if it's good or not. So I'm not a really big Azure AD or Entra, whatever the hell they call it, uh, AD person. So I'm Active Directory. That's what I know. That's what I've been doing for a long time. So going to Azure AD was kind of somewhat different because uh, assuming that is kind of weird still. Uh, but overcoming learning a area that I never thought I would learn um, and still wish I never had learned. But no. Uh, just getting that on the that that was uh that was interesting this week as Brandon and other people from the team you can see yeah that was that was a fun uh conversation that we got to have yesterday about well who knows this stuff and and I'm like literally nobody knows this Dev like <laughs> sorry yeah and Microsoft thank you so much for all the documentation you put out there oh I'm sorry wait wrong company never mind uh hey uh y- username not used thank you for subscribing to our channel we appreciate that uh Brandon. Uh, it was because I promised uh, that we're going to do a Trimark live from your barn someday. We uh, subscri- do during during the the the, the uh, DefCon safe mode. We had Lintal come up, and Lintal ran Hacker Jeopardy from my barn. Oh, that'd be sweet. And was okay. never seen again. He's Wait, fine. He's in Indiana. I saw him. I saw him. He's alive. I talked to him yesterday. Yeah, he's at Gurkhan. Uh, yeah, actually, probably doing that now-ish, right? He's doing the Hacker Charlton thing. Yeah, he's doing Hacker Charlton, but I'm asking you a question right now. What's your win of the I week? I know, bro. I don't have a great win. Like, I'm honestly just excited. That what did you do Friday. yesterday, Brandon? Oh, I did a webcast. And you did a well. great webcast went, yesterday. Well. Yes. We so, have never actually, of, of the webcasts that I have run since we've been here, none of the participants have actually went into the chat to say as many good things about our host as they had of you yesterday. I think that was mostly just because John uh, was one of my friends and the other one was my boss. So, uh, well, you don't have to give then, real stuff. <laughs> the best stories aren't exactly true. You don't have right, to. Do don't forget that. the bot you asked me to write so you could put in all those comments. That's, yeah. that's exactly you know, what you did earlier I, today. We were in the, the back doors. Asked, and, uh, we were in the write. back doors and breaches thing today, and you admitted something to Jason that we were trying to sneak by him. Why are you so honest? I'm a nice guy. I don't know. I can't Good Lord. No, no, I'm sorry. Blue team to the heart. Jesus. Inside All right. Good. Jake, it's your I'm turn. I'm working on it. Okay. I'm trying. Jesus. Trying to get better. All right. Just go upstairs and rip the labels off your mattresses Jesus, right now. Do something. <laughs> use my, use my your way. blender in an other way it's not supposed to be. I don't know. Like, do something. <laughs> Jake, my, what's your my thing? win was to finally get back under the bar after four months of not being able to Yay, beefcake again so yeah it feels good uh, i am sore everywhere after moving just the empty bar so yeah yeah it's whiskey uh, scotch what kind what you didn't say ah uh, you're funny <laughs> no that's for after lifting because it helps bake protein or whatever um mine's gonna be real quick it's literally having Devin on the show that's that's my win of the week because i i it's been a while so that's I, a I, cop out. It's, oh, no, on, it's not a cop on. out, and it's not yeah. hyperbole, yeah, and it's like a cop out. And I'm even me. No, <laughs> no, it, it really, and I had a lot of really good things happen this week. Um, I just really, I just really enjoyed, enjoyed talking to my friend, Devin. Do you had did you give enough time to think about? Yeah, yeah. So it's not my win, actually. I'm not gonna, you know, but um, you know, for some of my researchers who've been tracking a PRC-based group all over Southeast Asia. Um, we're going to be diamond them out next week. Yeah. A bunch of 
obviously unknown families and it's going to be a good time. And we, we just imagine them sitting in their windowless building, shaking their heads and going to tell their boss what we named their malware. That's my, <laughs> favorite, that's my favorite part of any week when you realize someone's got to tell their boss yeah. what you call malware and their boss, you, even though these are educated people, you just know he's going to be like, well, why, why did they call it that? And that's the enigma <laughs> live for that's exciting where if, if people want to uh want to actually see when that happens where can they find you and where can they find uh elastic security labs uh the elastic sec labs twitter handle is where we tweet and generally socialize all this the elastic.co slash security dash labs site um is where we publish all the articles um and github we've got all of our artifacts so if you want to grab the yara signatures or any of the indicators anything like that you can get that right off github everything for free forever nice well devin thank you so much my friend especially for spending time on a friday with us um if you ever got anything you want to you know chill or talk about or just hang out any guests that we have on have a lifetime pass to come back here whatever that means it's not exactly a disney I pass promise, i was promised sean metcalf yeah uh, he's a gurkhan but I, the next time you come back sean will be here i it was a it was a scheduling snafu, but I promise Sean will be back next time. And to Good. any, what's that? Good. I'll give him a hard time. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's holding down the fort down in uh, Grand Rapids and for everybody else. Thank you. Uh, username, uh, as, uh, Matt and Lakeith and everybody who was hanging out in the chat. Um, the best part of why we do this is so that we entertain you and we tell you things and give you free tools and talk about things you want to hear about or just interact. Like that's really the main reason why we do this. Um, but uh, if you are in the need of some professional services, trymarksecurity.com slash services for all your Active Directory, Azure slash Entra uh, AD services and VMware. And um, you may want to start checking out a website called trymarkvision.com. I don't know. Just a, just a thing, a feeling I have, trymarkvision.com. It'd be nice if someone had a URL like on the screen right now. Yeah, so but it's a slow roll out of stealth, but you should go check it out. Uh, and uh, we do this every Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 1800 UTC. Um, we got blogs, we got white papers. All of our stuff goes up on hub.trymarksecurity.com, and all of our free tooling, including Jake uh, Jake's locksmith tool, is up on github.com slash Trimark. So next week, I forget who our guest. Oh, you know who we got next week? Paul.com himself. Paul Asadorian is going to be on the show. Um, if, I, if I finally got him on, he's very gracious and said, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come on. So we finally got Paul coming on. Got some time on the schedule. So um, again, another one of those people that I'm going to try not to gush over, but I'm going to fail. So uh, until then, thank you, Devin, again. Thank you to my boys. And we will see y'all next week. We can still do hot mics if you want. Well, we're gonna mention that you're a goon because you only mentioned it once, and normally you mention it five or six times. What? That I'm that I'm a goon? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I think I'm growing as a person where I don't have to flex that as much. Dev mentions it more than you do now, so I think we have to turn this back around and we're gonna start the Ooh. count the number of times that Dev mentions it. Did we tell? Did, did we give Dev his pink slip yet? Uh, I never mind. I was supposed to tell him that. Uh, you can't get, you can't scare me with a good time. Trimarkvision.com. Trimarkvision.com. <laughs>